Hey, welcome to Whittle Me This, Whittle Me That with Dante and Mac. This podcast is brought to you by the collaboration of the NAACP and Lactaid, fighting intolerance, one glass of milk or chocolate milk at a time. Hey, Dante, how are you doing today? That's how you're doing. That's that, Jesus is a pretty good way to be. <laughs> uh, are you are you writing joke advertisements? Um. Well, they're real for a good portion of them. Thank you very much. You're writing these down when you have time. Like, like I don't. Know. Dante, this is a free... Oh my god, that was so much better than I expected it to be. (laughs) Okay, one, backhanded insult, noted. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like, you open with the NAACP, in these uncertain times, this could end up... They're a very loyal sponsor of podcasts, so you gotta gotta rep them hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) The NAACP notable podcast sponsor. Yes, that and the uh, you get a lot from the Cash App, which is doing a lot of good stuff as well. That and slowly taking over the financial sector with easy non-charge payments. Um, but yeah, so the Cash App, the NAACP of money transfers. <laughs> A slow legal campaign, which has now produced a, an important force. <laughs> um, all right, that's, that's all I got. I that's all I got. They seem to be funding all the charities. Like the Cash App is. You're like, really? How much okay. did they give to you Jose Andres? Thought, though? What? You want to know dark thought? Like my my podcast sphere, right? Like my yeah. pod pod is like you know, like very left. And yeah, so the Cash App, right, is always like funding extremely you know like you know like great like 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 every town against gun violence uh like teachers buying you know stuff for their kids yes. like underprivileged community support right like mm-hmm. that kind of thing but i wonder if like if i was in the alt-right pod sphere if the cash app would be funding like do-it-yourself deportation kits and like uh yeah doubling the fucking private prison company is that is like housing the separated children yeah i think that corporation is called like global tech it has a one of those like uh overly evil names that you'd seen in 1980s films super fucking ominous (laughs) like global tech okay that's that's vague enough to be super evil (laughs) um Core. Yeah. Uh, we... <laughs> if I, I truly believe if your name is something like really made up, like it's not a d- derivation of any words, but it's actually just random letters in the same way that they do like drug names, like there's shady shit going on there. Oh, way more. Yeah, yeah, no, way more evil. The evilness is like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, definitely, definitely like. The more the fewer vowels you have in your in your title, also like yes, yeah. that's, that's I, bad news. I actually ran into this dealing with enterprise, 
Um, sorry, sorry, not Enterprise, Expedia. Because they have so many subsidiaries that all do the same thing and have all these weird made-up names that you're like, okay, there's there's shadiness going on. Why do you have... Wait, you need a travel company? Yeah, so they own Hotwire... Like the travel company. Yeah, so uh, Expedia Group owns Hotwire, Hotels.com, Trivago, obviously Expedia itself... And then they're owned, oh, Hotels.com. So, like, they have all these multiple services that do the same function. And, like, you think they're advertising against each other, but they're not. They are all the same entity that makes, like, $12 billion in revenue a year. Because they shit. own the whole market. Wait, really? Yeah. Trivago is just a different version of Expedia. Correct. And it is the same thing. It's the same company. It's, so it's the same algorithm or whatever. Yes. Oh, you know, also another sinister thing that I heard? This is sort of Expedia related. Yeah. Which I guess like it makes sense that this company would be the one to do this thing because didn't they also pioneer the, like, um, the, like, social engineering model of having your results load slowly so it feels like you're, it feels like the website is really working hard for you. <laughs> we like, have well, no, that's yeah. like like because like, the information is all there, right? It's not like they're do, like they're, there's there's not like you know there isn't a fucking supercomputer that's doing advanced calculations to plot your like fucking trip to Cabo or whatever. Yeah, right? it's like, it's like it, the information just exists in a database, and they're deliberately retrieving it slower than they need to mm-hmm. in order to make you feel like you're getting quality service. Exactly. It's it yeah, it gives you the loading screen. You're like, I know this is moving at the speed of an electron. Like it's so fast. <laughs> this is this is at the universal speed limit. We are going faster yeah. than anything can ever go. Um there's actually a radio lab about this where they have different professionals discussing their ratings and how people approach them based off of how much time they put in. So like a locksmith when he first started out was getting really good reviews and tips and all this stuff. And then as he got more proficient, he was able to get into cars in like a second because he knew exactly what to do. And then he was getting pissy reactions from people and negative reviews, even though like he could was self-aware enough to know that like his interactions didn't change. He was just way quicker. So people didn't like spending 60 to $80 to have a guy show up for a second versus if it took him a while, they'd be really appreciative. <laughs> so he's got to just fiddle at it. Yeah. He's got to be like, oh man, wow, your car... Boy, it's one of the most locked cars I've ever seen. This car is really locked. It's really locked. <laughs> Man, let me really hold on a second. Let me do this special secret trick that most locksmiths don't know in order to get into cars that we like to call hyperlocked. Hyperlocked. <laughs> uh, God, I remember there was. I think it's a 2001 Honda Civic, but they were all keyed the same. So, A, locksmiths just literally, like, had that key on hand because so many people drove them. But insurance companies, <laughs> it made it almost impossible to get a good rate on them because, obviously, they caught wind of this because people were stealing Honda Civics all over the place because they were just all the same. Just using another Honda Civics key? Yeah, they were the same key. So, to save money, the company just keyed all their cars the same because, like, that's not going to cause problems down the line. Who the fuck cut that corner? There's some am- <laughs> like it was like all right look we could make sp- 
special locks for all of our vehicles, but instead we're just going to make them all the same. Yeah. And uh, we expect that no two people will ever own a Honda Civic in the same neighborhood, so this won't be a problem. Yeah. It's, it's also like the most fucking ubiquitous car. Like, like that's the like you see a Honda Civic. Like you see more Honda Civics than you do people in most places. Yeah, they made a lot of them. <laughs> but yeah, that's how they cut that corner. This is fine. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. So, um, should we get into the politics section? Oh God, I cannot believe that this is still the structure of it. But like, you know, I just like talking to you. You know, we can just talk. We can just talk to each other. Yeah, but it's got intro music. <laughs> Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, do, uh, I'm gonna cue it up, yeah, and then we can. Listen, man, listen, I'm, I'm along for the ride. <laughs> Politics. So let's talk about <laughs> India. I do think that this is like one of those small areas in which I think you would have a lot of insights. Not that you don't have insights on large areas as well, but um, so obviously they're getting hit by COVID real good. I don't know what the death figures are like, but Wait, where? Wait, sorry, sorry India. I'm still laughing at the fact that you had, that you had a, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. So yes, India, a small area. Yeah, bi- oh yeah, sorry, geographically and population-wise, not so much, but um, <laughs> It's it's not Western centric, so thus it's like oh no big deal. Um, what a niche interest he said relating to the life of one point five billion people. <laughs> but uh, like, are tensions between them and Pakistan normal? Like, has India shifted focus because they've been dealing with those border skirmishes, or? Oh man, because the border skirmishes with China where yeah. they were fucking fighting with sticks and stones and like <laughs> jujitsu and shit, like still, like in the Himalayan mountain pass. Still the greatest line from you. I was like, <laughs> I heard that they died of exposure, and you're like, well, from their insides being exposed to the outside, if that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah, they technically died of exposure. That's what happened. Because <laughs> um, they got because the fucking the two brigades beefed and then someone threw like like the, the, basically they got into a fist fight and started throwing each other off of the mountain and like thirty people died. Okay, that is terrible, but I do honestly believe that's how combat should be between countries. Oh yeah. Oh well, no. So like the reasons happened right is because they. The, the the Chinese government, the Indian government, say that they don't they don't allow them to carry guns. They don't yeah. allow the people to carry guns, which is probably good, yeah. right? Like if you've got a bunch of if you've got like fucking artillery shells and shit going on, then like all of a sudden it becomes a a full bore war, you know, like a shooting war between two like <laughs> billion per population nuclear powers. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. So like it would be much better to have what appears to be like. A Tekken match happened in the <laughs> Himalayas. <laughs> like, <laughs> that prevents the world from it. Like, th- I want to watch this fucking movie. I really want to watch this movie. I really want to watch that movie. Um, also, I will say in hand to hand. I'm excited for both countries to make rival propagandistic versions of this like event. Okay, so here's and, the like, thing. Have 
both be released at the same time. We both know that the Indian one will have a way more bo- like bomb soundtrack, but <clears throat> the Chinese one will have really good CGI. Oh, an extremely good like wushu. Yeah, like it's like I want to see Danny Yen in this movie, just absolutely, just being really stern and stoic, <laughs> and then and then like flip kicking someone off of like Mount Everest, basically. Oh, that'd be a good scene. To that it'd effect, be good. It'd be yeah. Good. Um, but yeah, do you have any insights on? If they've shifted focus, or this is just another thing that's piled on to India being awkwardly sandwiched between two rival powers. Um, oh, uh, so, last I checked... I don't know, man, I just read the news. Um, <laughs> last I checked was that um, there had been some, some, some pretty gnarly... Uh, there had been some, like... So the line of control which divides Kashmir between the India side and the Pakistan side, there had been some skirmishes, um, and then I think like also if I remember correctly, like a like a like a avalanche or something that hold on a second, let me see if I can pull this up. Let's see if I can find this. Do, do, do. Yeah. No. So I guess it's not recent. Um That but, was yeah, so there, yeah, pre COVID. There, there had been it. Yeah, here we go. Um, oh shit! I guess there's a spy. I guess they found a. Sp- I guess Pakistan accuses someone of being an Indian spy. Huh. Well, that's different. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like that's just kind of like more like like uh, sort of more of the new normal after tensions ratcheted up between India and Pakistan when uh, Modi decided to annex Kashmir and. Um, uh, send like a like like bomb some bomb some trees. This was this was uh, um about a, how many months ago is this? I don't know. I know like, you're referring to yeah. So it feels like it was a decade. Yeah, it was it was, it was probably back in November, and we were like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're just like, oh, I remember you know in 1986 when uh the annex right? Because it feels like 30 years ago. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so so there have been kind of ongoing skirmishes back and forth across the line of control, which is you know like not good, right? Like no. you know, like that's not a good thing. Um, but this is one of those weird circumstances where like Pakistan is the reasonable one, right? Like you know what I mean, right? Like like that's like like not usually the case. Um, yeah, or it doesn't feel like it's usually the case. Well, they usually uh, have a stronger no. religious ethno-state fervor about everything, and then India is still under the guise of like a less hom- well previously a less homogenous democracy. Right, but now has right, kind right. of just and then like Modi was like call and raise, bitch. Call yeah, and raise. he's like we're going f- we're going full Hindu nationals. Like this is the vibe. <laughs> the problem with fascism is that uh, they weren't vegetarian. And it wasn't extended over over a billion people. So now, now I'm going to do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is this this will be the solution here. Like it's it's bananas, dude. It's truly nuts. Um, yeah, it's truly nuts. High, li- high not reflective of the opinions of the U.S. government. Huh? Um, my opinions are not reflective of the opinions of the U.S. government. But anyway, like. The dude, like, couldn't get a visa to the United States before he was elected prime minister because of, like... War crimes. The the shit he pulled in Gujarat in the 90s, where he just, like, 
couple thousand Muslims to be butchered in their homes. Like, it's pretty bad. Or, but that always seems to be the case of the people we have to deal with, and like Putin, who everyone says he didn't blow up that apartment building when he was with the FSB, not KGB. But you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. And then, sure enough, like, how many people have fallen out of windows since writing (laughs) less than favorable articles about him? And you're like, five last year. Five. They fell out of windows. Man, these these Russian windows sure are unstable. Yeah. By the way, if I'm a if I'm a Russian journalist, ranch style house, one floor. Absolutely, one floor only. Minimal windows, even. <laughs> they're gonna they're um, gonna take me out, but they're gonna have to be slightly more creative about it. Yeah, it's gonna have to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna have to be a whole polonium in the tea type situation. <laughs> I was actually. On the Reddit, and then they had a posting about 10,000 protesters in one of the provinces of Russia. And I was like, wow, 10,000 people are going to be falling out of windows. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like The Happening with that M. Night Shyamalan film. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I forgot about that fucking movie. What what was it? Wasn't it The Trees? Uh, was it the trees yeah, the it was it, it, it was plants releasing pollen. Which, by the way, because I have such bad allergies, whenever the wind blows in springtime, I feel like the happening is happening to me. You're ready to jump out the window. You're ready to throw yourself in, the, in front of a bus. Yeah, I get the asthma and the itchy eyes, and I'm like, "All right, we fucked up your world. This is plants getting me back. Bring it, you Fine, fuckers!" You win, you win. <laughs> Just want to go out there, start like I, body slamming pine trees. Like you're doing this on purpose. So I love like that movie basically happened because M. Night Shyamalan like read the Lorax and was like, <laughs> "Oh shit, these fucking too many trees getting cut down. These trees are gonna have their day." Yeah, these trees are gonna fight back, baby. I actually, I think it's got a horrible score on Rotten Tomatoes, but that one I didn't mind so much. Everything Can else. Can we go and see that together in like 2010? It's very possible, and the fact that I think that, we went to the movies and saw that. Yeah, we were probably sixteen, so that might be skewing why I didn't think it was a giant pile of garbage. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could watch it now and just be like, "Oh, okay, that explains my opinion." Oh wait, actually trash. Hmm. Except that's not always the case. Like I watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as an adult, and I'm like, still. This movie fucks. Like this movie's good. Teenage <laughs> Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtles. Fucks. <laughs> Man, that's a that was a that was that was a real niche. Um, what, like who who what which which conglomerate owns Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now? Uh, so is that, a, is that a DC or a Marvel? No, it's neither. So uh, Teenage Mutant what? Teenage Mutant Ninja. Wait, there's an option. Yeah, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was uh, owned by a independent. And they actually maintain rights for the first film, if memory serves, um, like artistic license and uh, you know whatever you want to call the intellectual property. And that was that was an independent uh, comic book publisher. And then that in turn, who got that one? I really want to say Nickelodeon, which is under the Universal banner. Yeah. Holy shit. Wait, so you're telling me that between Watchmen uh-huh. and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, one of the two was published by an indie comic book publisher, unbeholden to giant corporate interests. And 
that would and be... And the other was written by Alan Moore. Correct. Holy fuck. But, Alan Moore... I'm shocked by that. I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely blown away by that. Yeah. I. God, his stuff is so good. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Alan Moore? Alan Moore. Not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, I would just love to see, like, a gritty fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle where <laughs> they've all got the, <laughs> that kind of, like, fucking nihilistic yeah. Dr. Manhattan, I'm tired of this earth, these people, but they're, but they're turtles. <laughs> right, like, they're, right like, like, they really have to, like, mourn the fact that they're abominations and, like, have no place in, you know, like, polite human society. Yeah. So they act for good from the shadows, like like a real like a real. Am I a good person who deals bad things, or a bad person who does good things? Type vibe. I think studios are loosely aware of it, but there's a real hunger for gritty reboots of a giant host of like childhood intellectual property that our generation and even people older than us have a lot of affection for, but want a hard storyline, but it to be in the world. Of something juvenile? I, I get, like... You know what I mean? Like, if they did... I thought we already did that, though. I thought we already did all the gritty reboots, and now we're, and now we're here for the tongue-in-cheek retellings, like Thor Ragnarok or whatever. Yeah, there's that, too, but I it's... I thought the gritty reboot era has passed. I think there's still a little... I guess I would say it's it is Marvel where it's action adventure like there's some humor in it, but I think it, the real funny bit comes from the fact that it's a gritty reboot of something that shouldn't have ever been gritty. Oh, so so it's like more of like a meta joke. It's just yeah, like, like a Teletubbies gritty reboot. Like Deadpool is a prime example of like a movie franchise that's giant that is just one big meta joke, and we're all super into it. Or gotcha. Rick and Morty okay, like is one. Shit. Rick and Morty is one big meta series, and we're so like we gobble that up. Yeah, it is like it is fun to be told you're watching a show. I guess that seems to be for some reason that tickles a particular part of my brain. I don't really know why. That's true. The fourth wall breaking, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's some of the best parts. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to be like, oh, this isn't... I mean, I guess, like, maybe there's a comfort in being told that things aren't real. That's, I guess that's nice. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, that's cool. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, that's like that's a, that's like a long-term... That's a, that's a common storytelling trope, so... Yeah. It's not necessarily a phenomenon. But, yeah. Um, okay, what other, what other politics stuff do you got for me? Oh, you want to re- redirect on PATH? That's solid. Um... I got some local stuff too, but it's not super pertinent. This one's going to get me in trouble, but I'll just go for it. Um, I don't know. Like the impeach Kate Brown stuff is getting really active. Wait, really? Yeah. Or at least I'm seeing it. Because I drive, I spend a lot of time in rural Oregon. And I won't even get into the why of it all. I'll, I'll play it safe and be, you know, kowtow. But... Like, Oregon has done way better as a state responding to COVID than so many other states that this is a very surprising time 
for them to be rallying against the governor? Yeah. Like, like this is this is the prime policy action of the governor right now is dealing with the pandemic. And this is an instance in which we've done the best or very, very well. It's like us in New Hampshire. So I'm just, I just don't get it. Well, I guess like, I mean, this implies that like performance is tied to approval and it's just fucking not. That's true. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, like we've, like we've managed to divorce those two things now. Um, and so, like, if you're, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to like cast aspersions to the our, our fine colleagues in the, you know, Oregon District Two, but like, you know, if you live in a town with a hundred people in it, like, fucking COVID is not a big problem in your life, right? No. <laughs> like, it's just not right and so like a bunch of bad things that seem to be happening because of the covid response will seem overblown and unnecessary um yeah and then if covid becomes a problem in your life it's a huge fucking problem in your life and it looks like none of the stuff helped right like so so i guess i I've, you know it's it's one of those things where it's like you also probably are already concerned about like the fluoride in the water causing uh, mind control or whatever right <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. you know, there's there's some there's some there's some countervailing political impulses happening there. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, well, this is like you're you're talking about you're talking about like parts of the state where like they want to secede and become Greater Idaho. Oh, the Greater Idaho Basin. Yeah. So there is some overlap yeah. there. You do get some of those folks that are like not necessarily full Greater Idaho Basin secessionists, but just like really hate the COVID response. And this is, like, the last straw. But it's also because the dem- the governor is, like, unabashedly super liberal. So they're not about that anymore, yeah. as it were- was. And this is, like, the last straw for them. But Yeah. And, so yeah. Yeah. I just... I... Yeah. The, the only fair... The amount of death cult that there is in American politics these days is really unsettling. Death cult? Just so much death. So, yeah, just this kind of, like... It's just like really like strange. I don't know. It's it's this kind of mentality that like doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but like does feel like it's like uniquely American. It's sort of like an outcropping of like the rugged individualism idea. Yeah. Of just like I guess you, you know. Yeah. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna get the virus, and it's either gonna kill me or it's not. Right. Right. Like like just this kind of like fatalism around it, and yeah. the feeling of like if you die, you're sort of like weak right like just there's just this like strong i don't know yeah I've, I've honestly seen similar types of mentality in like when i was living in the middle east where just like the state is very absent from your life unless it shows up to like kick down your door and shoot you right like like those are like you don't really see the state until it is you know got right but, yeah they don't um, have a they don't have a welfare state in the same right, day. right. There's just like no real conception of you know. It's, it's just like not like it, it's just not an important player in people's everyday lives. And so like the idea of like what you mean like a set of policies that solves problems like no like I'm just going to I will take care of myself and yeah. it's like a tremendous amount of resilience. You know, like that's like laudable, I think. But, but damn, like seems I don't know, man. Like the the <laughs> it just seems like a fucking. It seems like it would be better if we didn't require that of people, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, 
one of the things where part of like what America's America like a strong economic power is a general vibe of that like rugged I'm gonna sac- risk everything go for it and it is right. it's an infectious thing you know any kind of mentality is what you're gonna co-op from people around you and so on and so forth but it's hard for us to decouple that from all the negativity like you said the death cult portion of it where it's like everyone's on their own we're not a society. This is a, the, the gov- <laughs> like that. We're all here, and we've agreed to a set of rules that allows the market to go on. But outside of that, we're not a unit. Like I do me, you do you. That's it. So, and there's portions of it that you go, yeah, like those socially progressive libertarians that have been around for like God a long time. Them. You're like, yeah, all all six of them. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, weirdly, okay, I get that. You're going to live in the woods. You don't give shit about anybody doing anything you want. They just want to be left alone. You're like, all right. But, yeah, it's it's not as clean as that because there'll be someone who has that, like, libertarian, we don't need the government stepping into how we operate, but then we'll also, like, drive on roads to go eat at the USDA inspected restaurant they're going to eat at and then get real mad when they have to wear a mask. It's like, yeah, yeah, but like, you know, if the USDA wasn't inspecting those restaurants, then they could enjoy the intense feeling of personal liberty by getting Giardia. <laughs> go down to Mexico, drink the water, and feel what true liberty is like. Fucking liberty, baby. <laughs> It is, listen, man, when when the shit's running down your leg, that's how you know you're truly free. That's how you know. <laughs> I do, I, yeah. I do like oh. that when there's the, it's always, it's not real, but if someone says, like, terrorist hater freedom, like, that trope from way back when, you're like, right. but have you been to Somalia? You can kind of <laughs> do whatever you want. Like, they are free. <laughs> <laughs> you really it is they are free in the state in the in the in the like fucking anarchic sense of there is truly no higher authority over an individual and the power that they can muster on their own so like you want to start a coal know, mine yeah you can start a coal mine in your backyard just go for it yeah I, absolutely is it gonna go up maybe maybe not it kind of depends on how many cousins you have like let's, <laughs> you know like fucking <laughs> roll like I think that's the yeah. I think that just settle problems that way. Just who's got the biggest most cousins? Biggest most cousins. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing that's actually I this is where we're gonna probably have the most effectiveness as far as people listen to us is the phrasing of defund the police versus like increase funding for training and do social services like cahoots and spread that to more cities and decouple the police off police officers from law enforcement and social services. Yeah. We love cahoots. Shout out to cahoots. Cahoots is the jam. It's a great program. I love the concept and I haven't experienced firsthand the, um, execution, but like my wife has and stuff and seeing them in actions is a big fan, but obviously like, the chanting of defund the police gets under the skin of our right-leaning friends for obvious reasons. Or like my mom, who's yeah. not right-leaning. It's just like kind of like, it's just like a difficult, like Lauren just doesn't love it. Just, she just doesn't dig that vibe. 
Yeah. Um, right? But she's, like, not a conservative person in terms of her outlook. But, like, just... It was one of those things where she was just, like... I defund the police... Like, it was just, like, a weird thing to hear her say. Like, oh, defund the police is... You know... I just, like, don't understand. Because, like, a lot of places, the police don't have enough funding. But also... But then, like, when told, like, oh, but what if we funded other things also better, more? She's like, well, yeah, of course. Obviously, that's why you can't defund the police. Like, no, wait, you're so close to agreeing. Like, we, we basically agree on the principle here of expanding social services to communities yeah in order to reduce crime right like that's like the like that money is just moving from one pot to another like i don't understand why this is the 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 choice yeah yeah, the choice of narrative by some people i just like guys you're gonna no 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 you're gonna kill our momentum don't say that like back off no no (laughs) nope not what we want it's, it's, (laughs) it's one of those things it's like so I think so I think like there's a difference also between defund the police and abolish the police like there is a like a real genuine like um uh theoretical argument about eliminating policing as an institution straight up getting rid of it yeah. and eliminating prisons as an institution right and having a society that relies on alternative ways of maintaining maintaining community harmony and producing like just outcomes right like that is a whole different theoretical background um but like that like when you say abolish the police like that like means what it means right yes the interesting thing about like defund the police is that it very much frames like it frames the conversation in such a way as to if you are not paying attention if you're not a person who has had negative experiences with the police i.e if you are uh, in a lot of places, if you are uh, white and uh, middle to upper middle class, um, you probably have not had very many negative or any interactions with the police. Um, and so, like, you 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 probably you probably don't you don't know, the defund part is like is that that gives you a weird vibe. Yes, right? Because you're not you don't you have no you, you're not going to take the extra necess- the next you know logical leap, which is like a defund the police too fund x y and z thing right like people are just gonna have a knee-jerk negative reaction based off of the phrasing of it which is why like if it's going to be a repetitive rallying cry of people of our political leaning they got it's just it's not good like no one's gonna parse out the words and dig deeper they're only gonna see it on his face so it's like you guys better rallying rallying cry because all it does is it pushes people that are like fair to midlum on the idea going like oh well this is a unit is like insane so i guess we are definitely not a part of that group and you lost them yeah i guess like i just like i don't know i feel like the the issues that like these protests are against the police right like like it is oppositional in the literal sense yeah right it is it is a group of people right like that's like the protest that i went to in dc was absolutely about having fewer police doing less policing, right? Like, like that was the goal, right? Um, and so, in that sense, like that for some people is, I think, I think there's an argument, especially in certain cities, where that's like a good idea. Oh Just, no, no, never, no, no. I, that, I mean, so 
I'm, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not well versed on the literature here because, yeah. like, there is uh, evidence that just like having physically more cops means less crime in a lot of places. Yes, but it, and then I guess the question for me, the question that I always ask is like, but then what? Do we have a good idea of what those additional interactions, like those crime rates, might be lower? But do we have a good idea of what those additional opportunities for friction between a police force and its community um like what are the outcomes of that like i wouldn't be shocked if more police also means more police shootings right like um yeah you can like that again i haven't seen that i haven't seen any i'm not well read in this in this field of social science frankly yeah and it's a Um, tough bit because this does rely on statistics but i do think like intellectually that you can parse out that if the initiative is to have more community interaction that you actually have more police uh-huh. and the f- functional workload is less so they're allotted more time to like progressive training you know de-escalation non-lethal force and like literal going out and doing community activities and talking mm-hmm. with people and you know more interact spending more money so that they're having more interactions but they're having more just like casual interactions with the community Versus, as it stands right now, for most cities, they have so little police that every interaction, if they have any, is always bad. You know, they're only called in for emergencies. They're only getting routed to where there's problem areas. They're not getting paid to, like, hang out with the community and do ice cream socials and all that jazz. So, A, it doesn't connect the community to the police officers, but it also doesn't connect the police officers to the community because their only interactions are the negative ones because they don't... There's no time or money for them to do the fluffy stuff that I would argue is super necessary to build bonds and, like, shift, you know, train them up more and give them more time in the community. I would also I would also say that, like, I mean, generally speaking, crime has gone down, like, nationwide across the board. And, like... I'm not sure that that is a function of how of policing. Like, I don't think that the, like like I'm not sure that that is a result of more of there being substantially more police now than there were in say like the 70s. Um, yeah, there's a good right? one because like, it's hard to decouple it from like economic growth. Like, everyone's still poor, but are are there places that are just like functionally less poor than they were before, or? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, see. I truly don't know a ton about this. This is not something that I I, I really know anything about. Um, or I'm a newcomer, the yeah. newcomer to the literature on this issue, and by literature I mean articles that are written about the literature. Yeah, so um, it's it's very extrapolated. So, the, like, the only I'm getting this, I'm getting this like three baby birds down. Right? Yeah, like that's the, that's where I'm at. The only in statistic- terms of the information here. Yeah, the only statistic- just in terms of like a purely like. Like, from a sloganeering standpoint, like, the goal of people who say defund the police is to literally defund the police, so, right? Yeah. Like, is to remove funding from policing and put it elsewhere. That's the... Right? That, like, that, that's, like, that is a true statement. Yeah, but the second half of the sentence should be, like, the forefront of the sentence and just reorder it. Like, we want right. to fund additional services, reduce police funding. Like, if that's the goal... Which is weirdly fiscally minded for a preach, you know? It's arguing, like, 
a flat budget. Yeah, yeah, I guess, like, it is, yeah, it is, like, a... It's like, uh, can't we just, considering the amount of money we spend on other stuff, like, this is kind of small potatoes, let's just fund the F out of really progressive social services, and then we can, like, go from there. I mean, well, again, because I think that, I think there is, there are two, there are two separate arguments being made, right? Which are linked usually, but not always. The first argument is that there are better ways than policing to create community harmony and just outcomes, right? Like, there are alternative programs that are chronically underfunded that should be funded better, right? Like, that is a that is an argument that you can make on its own. Yes. Um, and then that is also linked with the argument that, and policing as an institution is prone to abuses we should no longer tolerate therefore take money away from it because it right like there's two one there are productive ways to solve these types of problems which are usually criminalized and two there are unproductive ways which lead to really terrible outcomes like cops kneeling on people's necks until they asphyxiate or shooting them or bludgeoning them you know in a protest setting right like like i like these are so there's things like there are type, there's like policing has negatives that we need to reduce, and then there are other things which can solve the problems that policing is ostensibly there to solve uh, that need to be increased, right? Like those 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 programs need to be increased, and so like I don't think you can really decouple the I don't think you can separate the defund the police argument from the funding social services argument because then you could just have like a broad welfare state that does a good job of you know helping people out and cops who still for no fucking reason like choke out black folks right like like, like, like those things yeah like, like unless right, right like like what's, what's been proven to be abundantly clear is that like they don't really need a reason if you look a certain way that so that goes back to the funding and screening portion of it so like, bear with me because this is this whole bit will take a little bit to extrapolate. For a long time, policing unions weren't able to volley for higher pay, but they were able to volley for higher protections. So that's part one. In part two, is what you were going on is basing is like, and their argument is like police interactions as a whole, are in, going to increase the negatives. So if you have less police, you have less police interactions, you're going to have less of those negatives. But my big argument is, A, we need to have better police, so reduce some of the protections that labor unions have been able to volley for in regards to shielding officers that have multiple complaints against them. So get rid of those and get rid of bad police officers. Train them up. So you're weeding out those negative habits because even like a non-ill-minded police officer with bad training and bad habits in terms of like how they handle uh, civilians will do bad things just if that's how they're trained up. And if they don't get continuous reinforcement on positive interactions and like ways to de-escalate. So I think that the concept that like interactions with the police at a, at a baseline leads to negative outcomes is false and it's built on this baseline where 
we only have so many police officers. The bad ones are protected. They don't get trained well. And because they're pushed to the limits, they're getting mostly like hostile interactions. And so that is their general energy when contacting people. Like I think legitimately believe I that they can't say for sure. Like there's no good faith argument that interactions with the police inherently lead to negative outcomes. They just say like, well, we have these instances and it's like, that is true, but there's a world where that can be reduced or eliminated. And so, so what and you're get, saying is like a, uh, reducing the kind of immunities that are provided to police officers who use force in their interaction, like that kind of thing you mean? Yeah. Okay, so like eliminating qualified immunity and stuff like that? Yep. Yeah. Um, Just because you need law enforcement bar none, and like, that's a truism that you need law enforcement. But there's a way, like, there's a way to build the institution up better versus the concept of just getting rid of it which is built on the narrative that interactions as a whole are always bad. Whereas I would argue that there's a, there's a system that has caused those interactions to be so bad, not like the institution itself. Well, I mean like that's that the, the institution is a part of the system though, right? Like, yeah. I, like, I guess, I guess that's sort of where I diverge with your, with your, um, your point. Like, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily the, like, I don't think it's necessarily the case that, like, any interaction with the police officer will end up in a bad outcome. But I think it's just, like, impossible to deny that from the perspective of certain categories of people in America, any interaction with the police officer carries a risk that it will go very poorly for no good reason. Right? Like, right? Like, like yeah. I, that- th- I, think, like, I think, like, starting from the standpoint of, like, I don't want officers of the state to be able to use lethal force, like, fucking period. Like, like I think that's a really dangerous situation when you're just permitting all, permitting a, a, a wide array of opportunities to, like, use your gun um, in what is supposed to be, like, a peace, like, a peaceful setting, right? Like, it, like, a domestic arm, you know, like, it's not a war zone, right? Like, um, like, the fact that there are more permissive use of force requirements for police officers in the United States than there are for, like, American soldiers, like, in combat is fucking wild. Yeah, you're not, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not going to get any pushback on that one. Right, like, but, but I think, but I think, like, that's, that's, a, that's, I think that is an institutional problem, right? Like, I think that is an issue of, like, what we think of the police as, Right, like the police officer is the badge and the gun, right? Like that's like the, they're they're indistinguishable from the force that they wield, um, because that's what you have police for in America to bring to to do violence to criminals. Like no. that's just like that's just like the way it's understood. No, and that's that's a huge. Need to be the case. That's a huge narrative jump, like to assume that that's you know what you have police officers for or why they're even armed in the first place. Well, I mean, like, like, we don't let, we don't give paramedics guns. 
But we don't give paramedics billy clubs. Yes, but like if there is a incidence where there is a perceived threat, police officers go in first to secure the area, and then the EMTs go after. Or that's exactly the point, right? Like, yeah. Like the specific job of the police is to defend. Hopefully, not have to, but be prepared to use violence. Yes. Like that's like what it exists for as an institution. And that troubles me deeply. <laughs> like, I think that's a really weak... Because I think, generally speaking, the amount of times in which you would need to use violence is extremely small. But if that's what the institution is designed to do, ultimately... Well, that is ultimately... If that is advantage relative to other state agencies, then, like... Well... Any, then it becomes a hammer-nail problem, right? Like, any time the police go into a situation, it's automatically escalated into one in which violence can be... Um, like it can be applied because that is what the institution of police is best at doing relative to other actors in you know the social environment yes well the police are armed in the same way that the like fish and wildlife guys are armed and that because they are law enforcement they're targets for negative behavior like they're the the pistol on their side is not intended to be extrajudicial killings or inflicting damage. It's that it is a preventative and a defense mechanism for when they most likely will be, you know, fired upon. And then to cross Bamble, like, I'm doing a ship, two ships passing in the night argument with you to some extent on my fault, which is you're arguing that the institution needs if I'm hearing you right, needs to be removed so that something else with similar capabilities is reestablished under, like, a different guise versus correcting the institution. So before I move on, is that what you're getting at to some extent? Um, yeah, I just want to refine it slightly okay. more. Um, that's basically it, that, like, most of what police are asked to do should never require violence. Correct. But you would... You would... And, and, the, and, then, and then, like, and then the, 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 the second claim that I'm making is that when we introduce police into those situations, on virtue of them being police, we are introducing the potential for violence. Correct. Which goes back to yeah. the, like, increased social services. It's not getting rid of the police that's saying, like, have cahoots going first, deal with the situation... And then if someone does need to be de- detained, that's when you call them. Like, the police are standing by. Which is how it works with Eugene Cahoots. Like, the pl- whenever Cahoots is called, the police are also called. And they're usually, like, a block or two away waiting for Cahoots to deal with the situation. And then, you know, if they get the all clear, the police will drive away. But if it's, you know, turns violent, then the police are called in to deal with the situation. Yeah, I think that like, yeah. So that's I think I think that's it's just that little beeping sound was my phone saying it's gonna die. I've got yeah. ten percent left. Well, we've already um, we've already hit forty five minutes, so we hit our. our listen, man, I I say this is a great. I, when we, we, you know, we're, we're we're deep in an important conversation, so okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I I think that's just. I think that's like what what is behind the idea of defunding or and then like more deeply like that's what like the abolition movement is is for um or like is arguing is that like there are 
we should be able to we should be able to imagine a society in which the state using violence against citizens happens only in the rarest of circumstances. Yeah. Um, I guess the abolition movement would say never happens. I'm not sure if I'm fully persuaded there yet. But yeah, like, there's there's just too many times in which you you know like this was three weeks ago. There was a elder man that shot at his neighbor on it was I think fortieth and Chambers, but there's an apartment complex up on Chambers Road near where I live, and like sure enough, cops are called. He fires two shots at the police officers. No one's hit. The officers fire one shot back, not hitting the man, but just like at the building. And then with a loudspeaker, like, talk him down, he releases his firearm, and they take him into custody. So, like, that's one of those, like, perfect instances where someone was risking violence with a firearm towards others, the police came in, expressed force, which, like, an unarmed civilian wouldn't be able to do, like, they 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 had to have a firearm. That was overwhelming, you know, force to the person that was firing out the older man and then they were able to de-escalate from there and bring him into custody so like that's the perfect like that's what you in a nutshell is like bang on why police are armed and like how it should go down yeah yeah i would say that that is that is very very much in the uh in the cop comparative advantage bracket yeah right like that like you wouldn't, you would. There, there are few other representatives of like the state and the community that you would send in in that situation to solve that problem. Exactly. So, like, um, where that being said, yeah, I imagine there is a world in which like there is an unarmed person who could also talk, you know, someone down. Like, I'm sure that has also happened elsewhere too, on virtue of you know, community ties or whatever. I don't know. I don't know enough um, about any of that. But, like, yeah, I'd say that's, like... But, like, that's, like, like a fraction of what most... of of what the institution is normally tasked with. That doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Well, yeah, and that goes back to the uncoupling where you have the cahoots to deal with all the social stuff, and then, unfortunately, police officers are just, like, ticket masters. Because that's, like, if we're talking about the institution, it's, like... Their whole job should specifically be law enforcement. And the reason you do couple law enforcement with violent um, de-escalation, like the instance where like someone is shooting and they need to deal with a shooter and de-escalate the situation and create peace, is because the people who are in charge of doing all the ticketing are always going to be at risk more than the general population. I just, like, don't feel that's true. Oh, dude. Like, if you talk to the fish and wildlife guys that have to go out in the woods and deal with tagging and run into those, like, crazy pot farms with people that are... are okay, that... Okay, that's, like, that's, a, that's, that's a bit of a different vibe. Th- there's... I, but, like, yeah, there's, you there's, mean, like... You mean, like, people are fucking giving out traffic tickets, though. Like, that's just, like, not the case. The traffic ticket guys unfortunately do have to be armed by the nature of people getting like pulled over having a prior 
and then using force against the police officer. Like, in order to evade arrest, you mean? Exactly. Uh, well, like... Like a prior... Like, like, like they've got a warrant out, you mean? Warrant. Um, this would be a violation of their parole. Like, if they're going 100 in a 65, and then they get sent back to jail. Well, I mean, like, again, just, like, from... From a from from a if your goal is to punish criminals, which I'm not convinced that that's the right goal, um, then like it doesn't make a ton of sense to me why you would need the person who's just doing the traffic ticketing. Why they have to be the person who does that, right? Like, I like why like w- wouldn't it be much more elegant for them to uh, like if they pull this person over, um call in like if for whatever reason this person needs to be apprehended as a result of the thing they have done Mm -hmm. that they are being sought for yes if this person does really have to be apprehended then why would you not just bring in the apprehenders to do that probably preferably not on a fucking busy street right like like I mean like there's I, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of ways in which you could have the people whose job is to give out tickets be decoupled be, even further. Be again, not the same, not the same people whose job it is to bring in, you know, criminal. You bring in the the, the serial killer who has a warrant out for them or whatever, right? Like, uh, you know, right? Like, I just like it, it, if anything that really like if if we believe that the person in this car is extremely prepared to use violence, then I absolutely do not want the same person to be doing those two jobs that's insane that doesn't make any sense to me right like so i guess it goes then if you have if, it's, if that's the if that's the one in one you know chance that you're encountering a person in, the, in their vehicle who's willing to murder a police officer in order to evade whatever charge they have um then like if that's the mindset that you're bringing to every traffic stop then actually absolutely you are likely to kill people right like 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 that is like that's just what ends up that be, that creates a mindset of like permanent threat that again introduces the element of violence to an interaction that doesn't need to have it really for any reason yeah and i would concur to that specific point about if that is the mindset being brought to every interaction that's going to increase the chance that they like freak out and shoot the civilian, um, which goes back to that's like a training and increased police force issue where, like, because they just have to exist bar none, like, that part is one that I won't, I can't concede, like, you have to have law enforcement, you can't have a world without it, um, that there needs to be more officers so that the officers are having way less of those really tense life and death interactions and we need to train them so that they're having more experience with de-escalation and reading signs and basically not freaking out under pressure and perceiving well, threats get, that aren't there. I guess there. I'm going to push back on that because like what is what is the purpose in this case for yeah. example right this this like traffic stop situation. Yeah this is like, this is first, a good I one. Think we should, so, I think first we should be asking the question, like, what is, like, I, th- I think, I think, 
first we should be asking the question, like, what is the purpose of a traffic stop? So the purpose of the traffic stop is to, you know, encourage people 